0: Doing a series, we started it last week. It's called, called The Afterlife. What happens after our heartbeat stops here and our brain waves go flat? What is, what's the next step? What's beyond this thing that we know as life? Now, last week we talked about what Scripture describes as heaven, and it is quite amazing as it talks about when we die here. We go immediately, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ, and I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that today, if there's a question in your mind or in your heart about that. But if you believe in Jesus, you've received him personally into your life, at the moment of your death, you go from this life immediately into the presence of the Lord. There's no soul sleep. Your body does go to the earth for a period of time until the Lord calls us out, a resurrection that is going to happen. But you go immediately into the presence of the Lord. And then we talked about how eventually that the Lord Jesus is going to return back to this earth. And he's going to bring with him a creation that he's been working on for a little over 2,000 years. It's called New Jerusalem. The holy city is going to come down out of heaven and it's going to be seated on the earth. We talked about the descriptions of it. What it would look like. Uh, in our mind's eye what that might be. So last week we talked about the victory and the joy and the hope for those of us who know the Lord Jesus Christ. But just like, have you ever heard of Al Gore? Some of you have. If you'll remember, a few years ago he went on tour and had a big presentation and he called it an inconvenient truth. Truth. I'm going to share with you an inconvenient truth today. That after, there is an afterlife and there is heaven that is prepared for those that are, have received Jesus and are willing to follow him with their life. But the inconvenient truth is that the scripture talks about a place called hell. I don't like it. If I could change it, I would change it, and you would too. But the truth is, Scripture defines hell as a place very literal, and it is a place you will want to avoid at all costs. And so, today, as we look at this inconvenient truth that one of these options of the afterlife is this terrifying location called hell, I wanted to just basically deal with it by some questions that I have had and have received. From people over the years about this issue just try to answer some questions and the first question is why has God created this place why would a loving God create a place that's defined in scripture as hell well would you get your Bibles go to the last book of the Bible in Revelation right toward the end and in Revelation chapter 12 is an answer Here's what it says in Revelation 12, starting in verse 7. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels, Michael is an archangel, uh, one of the servants of God. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, which is Satan, Lucifer. And the dragon and his angels fought back. So we have angelic angels under the leadership of God. We have demonic angels. Under the leadership of Lucifer. But he was not strong enough being uh, Lucifer. And they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down. That ancient serpent called the devil or Satan. Who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth. And his angels with him. That's why this territory that we live in called earth. Is so difficult. Because he was hurled down. Here, and he rules uh, in the atmosphere around this earth and that's why it is such a spiritual battle a spiritual war most of you will have a belief in a spiritual war the scripture talks about it very clearly that there is an enemy that fights against you <clears throat> he loves to steal from you he loves to kill your influence and he would love to destroy you that is his heart, that is his motive that is Lucifer now, this Satan that's talked about here was one of the most magnificent creations God ever made. He is described not as the worship leader of heaven, but he is music. So out of him, is, is, uh, everything beautiful, light, music, everything creative like that was built into him. So he is a magnificent creation. But he started comparing himself to God and decided that he could be God himself. And because of the rebellion, he was kicked out of heaven. And we had another passage that talked about that a third of the the angels went with Lucifer. They became the demonic. They're the ones that rule on this earth. They hide most of the time, but I will tell you they're getting more and more blatant. They're getting more and more public in their work and the destruction they're doing on this planet. Okay, so why did God create a place called hell? I'm going to tell you this carefully. He did it, did not create it, because he wanted one human to go there. He did not. He created hell primarily for the destruction of Satan and the demonic. For in that final day, there will be a final battle, and he will be cast into this place called hell, a place of torment against the tormentor, who has tormented your life and my life. He did not create this for humanity. Listen to what it says when Jesus said this, recorded in Matthew 25, verse 41. Then he said to say to those on behalf, on the left hand, depart from me, you cursed with the everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. So the purpose of of hell is for the demonic for their destruction in the end. Hell was a created place, place for this judgment I've just talked about, and he will eventually be consigned there. Revelation 20, 20, 20, 10 says this, and the devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet, if you'll remember what we taught a few weeks back about the end time series, there will be a a beast, and there will be a false prophet, He, those two will be joined with all of the demonic, and they will be judged forever. Here's what it says. And they will be tormented day and night forever and forever. So you get to see in Scripture the purpose behind the creation is judgment against the enemy that has worked against us all of our life. Human beings, though, being in, created as we are by God, we're not meant We're not designed to spend eternity away from the presence of God. We're not built for that. The Lord built us for relationship with Him. The place God created for them is heaven. Jesus spoke about this place, and I shared it with you last week. But here's what He said in in John 14. In my Father's house, and He's talking about the new Jerusalem. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, you may be also. That is his desire. that is his design, that every one of you, all of your family, all of your friends, all of your neighbors, all of your work associates, that all of them would come to be with him. That's his heart's desire. Hell was not created for humanity, but it is the destination for those who reject God and His salvation plan through Jesus Christ. It will be the destination for everyone who rejects God and His plan of salvation. It is not God's heart. He did everything that He can to pay the price for our sin, to give us redemption. He sent His only Son to to die in your place. And in my place, he's done it all to prepare a way for you to be right with him. Second question. What is hell actually like? I want us to just look at scripture. I don't want to use imaginations here. I want us to just see what the scripture tells us about it. In Matthew 7.23, it says it is separation from God. I don't know if that means anything to you when you hear those words. But in God, uh, would you help me just a minute? Name some things about God that we hear from Scripture. We know, what? Holy, righteous, good, counselor, love, loving, Father, He's just, He forgives, sovereign, omnipotent, He's light, He's life, Let's think about all that being gone. Now, now hear those words again. Separation from God. All that gone. It says in Matthew, he said, Then I will tell them plainly, he was speaking to those who had not ever trusted him, speaking to them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Second thing we see in Matthew 8 is that it's a place where it's dark and it's a place where there is suffering. Here's what it says in Matthew 8, 12. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Gnashing of teeth, I think, uh, signifies physical or emotional pain or all kinds of pain. But you know when, if you've ever used a hammer and you've missed the real nail and hit this nail, you know what I'm talking about? You have that gnashing of teeth moment. Well, I don't know if that's the picture, but that's what I feel like right here is that it is a place where there is weeping because there's this anguish, separation from God, and physical pain as well. <clears throat> the third thing it says in Scripture in Revelation 20:14 is that it is a lake of fire. Basically, a, a, an environment of fire. Then death and Hades... Hades is the grave. Death and the grave were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire, it says, is the second death. So after this physical death, then there if you do not know the Lord, if you have not used this lifetime to get your life right with Him, there is a second death. And the second death is the lake of fire. And He says that in Revelation 20. And He said this, It's for those whose names were not found written in the book of life. Those were the ones thrown into the fire. So, what does that mean? I am going to show you in just a moment how to get your name in that book. Because in that day, you don't want to have your name gone from the book of life. Because it says, hell is for them. The fourth thing that we see described as hell is that it is a place of no rest. Revelation fourteen eleven says it like this. The smoke of their torment rises forever and ever. There is no rest day or night for those who worship the beast and his image and for anyone who receives the mark of his name. If you'll remember back again, if you were here and we talked about the end time series, we looked at, it says, who receives the mark, the mark of the beast, the last day economic, political, and religious thing will be all tied together around this demonic force and if you receive the mark of the beast it's one of the signs that your name will not be in that book the fifth thing that describes hell in scripture is that it is a nasty place of trash of death of fire the word that is used translated 12 times in the new testament the word is Gehenna and it's usually translated into scripture just as hell When they see the word in the original language, they would write it in the the English as hell. But they use the word Gehenna. Uh, Jesus himself used the word Gehenna 11 times. And it's about a valley that is just outside of Jerusalem called the Valley of Hinnom. In the days of Ahaz back in the Old Testament, Ahaz was a really, really bad king of Israel. He did not follow the Lord. Matter of fact, he ran and took his people as far away from God as they could go. And they began to worship a god by the name of Molech. And the, the history accounts say that this worship of Molech was in this valley of Hinnom. So that the Molech had the, uh, had the head of a bull and had arms that were outstretched like this. And the inside of the, of the statue was empty and inside it was filled with fire so it was, a, it was an idol and so and if you remember the Israelites when Moses was up on the mountain and they came down and they were worshipping this golden calf they were worshipping Molech they had reverted back to their paganism that quickly because the bad thing about this, this picture the arms of that Molech was where they would place their babies for human sacrifice the babies would be killed and then consumed in the fire be, that, under this demonic influence, believing that if they sacrificed their children, then that, would ble- that God would bless their land or would make their crops prosper. And it was just basically a demonic plan, as you know. This, it was a place where they did this. And then uh, in the time of Josiah, Josiah reformed the country. He threw, tore down all the idols, got rid of Molech, and got rid of the Asherah poles, which was kind of a, more of a sensual kind of worship of demonic. And he got rid of all that, and he, t- he asked the people to come back to Jehovah, their God, Yahweh, their God. And it, this place called Valley of Hinnom actually began to be the dump place for the city of Israel. They would take the, the, the criminals... And those in poverty that could not pay for burial, they'd put them out in this valley. And they would light fires and to try to burn up the dead animals, the, the humans that were not buried, they put them out there. The trash of the city was out there. So it says it's a place where the worm does not die, a place where there's fire, a place where there's stench, a place where there is trash. It's just a miserable place. And that is what the Lord Himself used to describe hell Gehenna or Hinnom the valley of Hinnom that's found in all places in a lot of places in Matthew and in John the third question who will find themselves in hell I'm going to say this and listen carefully good people don't go to heaven bad people don't go to hell It's not about good or bad, because we are all sinners. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God. So if you were here and you thought, well, if I just do good, if I'm just on my list, I'm a, this is my bad list and this is my good list, and if I've got one more good than bad, then maybe I'll make it to heaven, well, I'm going to tell you there's a much more secure way for you to get there. That one was not going to work. I know it's a philosophy for the world, but it is not scriptural. Go to Matthew chapter 25, please, and we're going to try to answer the question, who will find themselves in this place called hell? Matthew 25, starting in verse 31. When you get there, you're going to see that this is the final parable teaching of Jesus. This is his last time that he taught using a parable. And he's talking here about the reality of judgment and that there are two types of people listed here. Have you found Matthew 25, starting in verse 31? When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all His angels with Him, He will sit on His throne in heavenly glory. All the nations will be gathered before Him. If you Use your imagination. Picture it the Lord Jesus and the Father God on the throne of heaven, all of the nations come and are gathered before him, and he will separate the people from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. So he's using two different types of people, a sheep-type people and a goat-type people. He will put the sheep on his right, and he'll put the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, the goats, Come, you who are blessed by my Father. No, this is the sheep. Come, you who are blessed by my Father. Take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. These people had, were transformed. They, they're going to show images of being different. I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord: When did we see you hungry? When did we feed you? When were you thirsty? When did we give you something to drink? And Jesus said, "We when did we?" So he said, "When did we see you as a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you?" There's what, here's the answer. When do we see you sick or in prison or go to visit you? The king will reply, tell you the truth. Whoever you did this for one of the least of these, my brothers of mine, you did it for me. So that picture is not just of good works, it shows of a transformed life. A life that is no longer just about me. But when we receive the Lord Jesus Christ, the me is taken out. And is placed in there as the Holy Spirit. And then we begin to be vessels of the presence of God. And what does that mean? Just loving people, taking care of people. And I brag on Hamlin almost every day to how well you love people, you take care of people, you feed them, you clothe them. If they're in crisis, you gather around them. If their arms are down and weak and tired, you hold their arms up in victory. If their heads are down in depression, you come and encourage and lift them up. If, there are, if they need clothes, we had a class or two haul off. I don't know how many truckloads. Yeah, I did, because I hauled them in my truck. Three truckloads of clothing from one day donation from this church. Feeding and taking care of it. It's a transformation of a life. That's what this picture is. Then he will say to those on his left, these are the goats, depart from me. You who are cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. So, you hear what it's for, it's the devil. But if you've rejected him, it says they will go there as well. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, you did not look after me. They will also answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry, thirsty, or a stranger needing clothes, or sick and in prison, and we did not help you? He will reply, tell you the truth, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. There's a separation. Sheep have been transformed. Goats are still basically self-motivated people. Goats when you, If you have goats, if you've been around goats, some traits, they're very unpredictable. If you watch Facebook once in a while, you'll see a goat chasing somebody and knocking them down. They're unpredictable. What would, we would call this would be a person that there's not a consistency or a stability in their life. They're in or they're out. They're like the waves of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. They're fiercely, goats are fiercely independent. They're the people who think they are above it all. Self-rule is their demand. The goats are an unwilling, they have an inability to follow where sheep will get in and will follow the shepherd. A goat will more, more than likely have to be driven to a place. Un, they don't like to follow. They love to lead. They have trouble functioning in a, as a group and do not want to be led. They have an independent spirit a self-rule. In Scripture, they represent those who have understood their condition of sin but have rejected the Lord, have rejected the message of Jesus. Self-care is their motivation. It's about me and how I feel and how I want it. It's all focused internally. Then we have the sheep that we heard there in this passage and it's John 10 says it like this. My sheep listen to my voice. They, I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life for they shall never perish. No one can get them or snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Who are these sheep? And how do you become one if you are not? John chapter 3 verses 1 through 7 Jesus said in verse 3 listen no one can see the kingdom of god unless he has gone through a process that he uses here called being born again a spiritual rebirth Jesus said in verses 5 through 7 no one can enter the kingdom of god unless he is first born of water and of the spirit two births some get a little confused about what the water thing is well The baby inside a mother is in the sack of waters. So that that birth is, is the first physical birth. The second birth is a spiritual birth. Matter of fact, it goes on to say, Jesus said this, flesh gives birth to flesh. But my spirit gives birth to spirit. And if you have that in your Bible, I've marked it in my Bible, that It says in that passage, but the Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit because it's a capital S Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives birth to Spirit, which is small s, which is my Spirit that was dead because of sin and trespass. The Spirit of God will give birth to your Spirit within. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. Now the shift from being a goat to that of a sheep is based upon this one concept, a spiritual birth. Because you all have a physical birth or you wouldn't be here. You celebrate your birthdays. I see you on Facebook. You celebrate your birthdays. But this is a birth of, a, of another time in your life when you were reborn spiritually. And Jesus gave it the word, born again. How's this done? First of all, listen. Here's, if you're wondering how you get from being a goat to a sheep. First of all, the Holy Spirit will do an awakening within you. The Spirit of God starts working in your life. It will feel like turbulence on an airplane. You, things begin to be shaken within. You begin to have a lot of questions. You begin to think about, what's my life about? Why am I here? Am I a biological slime product that just goes back to dirt, or am I, or is there a purpose for my being here? Then you, when you think that, you have to start thinking, well, what happens when I die? Is there something after that? There will be a, a disturbance, and it's the Holy Spirit. It will not feel comfortable. But let me tell you what it's doing. The spirit of God is trying to get your attention stirring up some things to try to draw you, your attention away from yourself, away from the things of the world to focus on this empty need within you. Second thing that happens when that spirit begins to show you your sin nature, you'll know something's wrong. But when this happens, this sense of being wrong within the awareness of sinful condition, the Bible calls it the conviction of the Holy Spirit. When you begin to hear that there is sin and you say well I'm not that bad there are ten laws of God back in the Old Testament it says thou shalt not name one for me steal thou shalt not murder covet have no other gods before me yes false witness you've got to love your neighbor as yourself in any of those scripture says that if you break one of them you've broken them all if you break one so what does that say I've broken them I don't know about you I don't want to but and I don't in, want to intend to I've broken those laws and when you break those laws that puts you in a, a position separated from God because God is holy There is no unholiness in God, and because of that, it separates us from Him. And that's the condition we become aware of when the Spirit of God is bringing conviction. The third point is at that time, you're going to have to make a decision. When you're troubled like that, and you've heard preaching or teaching of the gospel, this conviction is going to demand of you some type of action. I'm either going to turn and go to the Lord Jesus and lay my life Before Him, ask Him to cleanse me and forgive me and take over my life. Or, I'm going to go the other direction. Now, you can be religious and go the other direction, but your name will not be in the Lamb's book of life. You have got to come through Jesus. He said, He's not a polytheistic God. He said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. He is the way. And that's the way you get to Him. The fourth thing is this. Don't ignore the invitation of Jesus and realize that in the Bible it says that we've all fallen short of the glory of God. We are justified. That means we are simply made right with God freely by His grace. A gift we don't deserve. He gives us this forgiveness. Through redemption. That means He paid the price for our sins, so we don't have to pay it. He redeemed us. That came by Christ Jesus. God presented Him, Jesus, as a sacrifice of atonement to wipe away sin. That through faith in His blood, you too can be forgiven, cleansed, and your name written in the book of life. I told you at the beginning of this talk today that it's a message that we don't want to hear. It's not a message I want to give, but it is a message of God that everyone needs to know intimately. He has two desired outcomes from this message. One, if you are a person away from God, that you should not walk, but you should run today to give your heart to Him, to get your name in the Lamb's book of life. The only other thing I can think of is the second reason is that for the church, it should break our heart for the lost. Create within us a drive of evangelism to take this good news of Jesus to a broken people. They're not going to go to that grave and sleep. They're going to go either in the presence of God or the presence, separation from God in a place called hell.